Our text for this morning's sermon is taken from the gospel lesson with special emphasis on the following words. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. A Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. This is our text. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, The lawyer asked to test Jesus, who is my neighbor? Well, your neighbor is literally the one who is nearby, near you. Whoever's next to you is your neighbor, even as you sit in the pew. Today we learn, though, that Jesus, or you are Jesus' neighbor. Have you ever thought of him as being your neighbor? And that he is near to help you, to forgive you, to bind your wounds, to give you everything you need for this life and for the life to come. As the Apostle Paul reminds us, the Lord is near. The Lord is near where his word is near. And the word is near you. The Apostle Paul tells us, in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Today I want you to understand that Jesus is the good Samaritan in his parable. And... He's here today, he's nearby for us as our neighbor to bind up our wounds with the healing balm of the gospel. He does that as he brings you here into the inn of his church where he takes care of you at his expense. He saved you from sin and death. It cost you nothing. It cost him everything. He had nothing to gain except you, me, and all the Samaritans of the world. He gave his life on the cross, overcame our sin, our death, rose from the dead, and now he lives bring these gifts into our hearts and lives. He pays for all of them, and he he leaves nothing to us. He takes care of it. It's all charged to him. The lawyer in our text, he asks, in order to test Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's a really odd question if you think about it. Later this morning, Benjamin Rockroar will be baptized into Christ, and he will inherit everything Jesus won for him through his suffering, death, and resurrection. But that's not all. Paul and Stacy, this is their child, right? Everything that belongs to Paul and Stacy now belongs to Benjamin. Benjamin. 
because he is their child, right? And I think I can say to you with, with certainty that they're not going to keep tabs on all of their children to see who does what and then divvy up the inheritance, you know, what they leave behind to them in their will based on what they've done or left undone. They're just going to give them the whole lot. That's what parents do. Simply out of love. That's how an inheritance works, right? But the, the lawyer, he wants to justify himself. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus plays along, right? He said, well, what does it say in the law? Love the Lord your God, he says, with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as your, yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus said. Do this and you will live. But then he goes a little further, doesn't he? In order to justify himself. He's thinking not of others, but he's thinking of himself. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus then tells this familiar story, right? A man is robbed, left for half dead on the road, and a, a priest sees him and goes by on the other side because he doesn't want to help. He's too busy trying to justify himself and justify what he has to do in life instead of taking care of people in need. Same thing with the Levite. But then a Samaritan comes by, and you need to know how, what this lawyer would have thought about this Samaritan. He didn't think well of him at all. In fact, the lawyer and the scribes and the Pharisees would have said, this guy's not our neighbor. He's a bad guy. He's a half-breed. They're not true, truly Jewish like we are. We don't, they're the bad people. So we don't need to help them. We need to uh, actually cancel them, get rid of them. They were discriminated against. They would be like those who do the wrong things, if you will, in our culture and society, which the law condemns. The Word of God condemns, right? So Jesus makes the Samaritan the hero of the story, right? And isn't it interesting that it makes sense that Jesus is the Samaritan of the story? He was despised and rejected by men, right? A man of sorrows and familiar with grief. They didn't like Jesus. But Je because Jesus called them on their sins and and said, you need to repent, for the kingdom of God is near. God is near. You need to repent. That's what God has come into our world to do, to bring us to repentance, to, to change us from trusting in ourselves and thinking that we can do it ourselves, to, to trusting in him, receiving his gifts as the inheritance it is. That's what he's here to give. But we want to go at the way of the law, right? We want to test. Well, how many times do I need to go to church in order to be saved? How many times do I, or how much money do I need to give? Or uh, there's all in this measurement kind of thing, right? 
I've said this before, but that would be like telling your spouse, you know, how often do I have to come home to be considered your spouse? It's the wrong question. It's a law question. It's an employer-employee question. But Jesus is your brother. God is our father, not our employer. And he comes to lavish you with his gifts no matter what you've done or left undone. And he pays for it all. You see, everything changes when you have Jesus as the good Samaritan, as your neighbor. As the apostle Paul puts it, speaking of Jesus, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Notice those key words. He's delivered us from this way of thinking that those who we think are the bad people out there, that they're somehow not worthy of our love and our care, even while we disagree with them, even while they might declare themselves as being our enemies, we are called to love them and to care for them. And you see, the one who has been robbed and left for half dead, that's really all of us if you think about it. Because the world's going to leave you on the side of the road, and the wages of sin is not being half dead, it's death. And there's nothing we can do about it. And the sooner we understand that we're dead in our trespasses and sins, that our hope in in our future lies not within ourselves, but in him, oh, the great joy. And then there's no more measuring. It's not how many times do I have to go to church? I love Jesus. He loves me. Why wouldn't I want to be here? And when people are in need, whoever that might be, whoever might interrupt our everyday lives, We take care of them, even though it'll cost us. But look what it cost him. And he's here to tell you that with him there's always more. Always more gifts. You have an unending resource of the love and grace and mercy of God and everything needed for this life and for the life to come. It all comes from God. And he comes to change everything for you, to deliver you from that despairing way of life where you end up on the side of the road dead. He comes to transfer you into a different world, into a different kingdom, into the kingdom of God where there's love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, all of those things by the grace of God as his Holy Spirit brings his word to bear on our lives. He shapes and forms us to be like him and to work like him, knowing the fullness of the love of God. The one who knows life, created life, and gives life has come into the ditch of death and he raises us out of it through the merits of his death and resurrection. You see, it's life 
Life is what Jesus does, and life is what Jesus gives. And he makes you an instrument of his life and love and compassion for others, as his word has its way in your lives. It's what the Good Samaritan did when he stopped for you in the waters of holy baptism, washed you clean of your sins, and raised you to a new life. That was the Good Samaritan Jesus coming down, stooping down, giving you his death and life that conquers death. That happened when you were baptized. And that will happen this morning for little Benjamin Rockroar. He will inherit all of the blessings of heaven. And the Good Samaritan stoops down to you here today and to me who have confessed our sins. We confess that we have not loved you, God, with all our heart, soul, and mind. We just said that, you know? We just confess that we've broken the first three commandments. And when we said, and we haven't loved our neighbor as ourselves, we just confessed, all of us have, that we're the bad people. We've broken all of the commandments. Every last one of us. That's what we just confessed. And we can confess our sins, knowing that God is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness through the one who keeps every single commandment in thought, word, and deed, the only one who does. So he stops here with holy absolution, binds your wounds, and gives you the oil of gladness, which is the forgiveness of your sins. And the Good Samaritan is here also to feed you with his body and blood, to put himself into your mouths, hearts, and lives. The Lord is near. He's in your mouth and in your heart. That is this word of faith we are proclaiming, that if you confess with your, your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What is believing? It's simply receiving the help from the great physician of both body and soul and being taken by him into the inn of his church to be cared for by all of his people. In closing, the hymn in the communion hymn, what an appropriate place to, to sing that. It's called Where Charity and Love Prevail. And the next line goes like this, or the next phrase, where charity and love prevail, there God is ever found. In other words, as his word is having its way in our lives, the Good Samaritan is at work through you, members of the body of Christ, the body of the Good Samaritan. It goes on, bound here together by Christ's love. By love are we thus bound. This is the life of our neighbor, the Good Samaritan. And this Good Samaritan has enlivened us to really live. Do this and you will live. He didn't mean do this and you earn your salvation. No, do this and you will live. You will live as God created you. Live in love and care for God and one another. That's really living. The world doesn't offer that. It offers cancellation, enmity, 
and death. But God, he's here to enliven us so that we can really, really live. His love has bound everything together in perfect harmony. In this life, it's a life raised with him in genuine love for God and in a compassion for each other in Christ that actually never fails. Amen. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.